Pittsburgh Steelers fans, what's going on? This is Jeff Hartman, co-editor behind the SteelCurtain.com with you for another live locker room episode. That's right. If you're just now starting to follow the show and you don't understand the format, my show runs every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Monday and Friday are my typical studio shows, whereas my Tuesday show, which I recorded Tuesday night live on the locker room app, but it runs on our audio platform Wednesday, which, by the way... If you want to follow our audio platform so that you get all of our content, not just my Let's Ride every Monday, Wednesday, Friday, but the live mic with Michael back on Tuesday, the Stat Geek with Dave Schofield on Thursday, all of our PM content. We're talking the Steelers Hangover. We're talking the Scobro Show, the Curtain Call, the Steelers Preview, Friday Night with Tony, uh, the Touchdown Undercrew, and Tales from 2AM, all of it. Wherever you get your podcast, search Steelers or Behind the Steel Curtain. Subscribe, follow so that you don't miss a thing. As always, we are a part of BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. If you've never visited that website, make sure you do. The Pittsburgh Steelers, their fan base is, is a rabid bunch, and they love to talk about it. And that is a very, very great community. I hope that you do check it out. Let's get started with this live locker room episode. I want to start off with a little monologue before I start taking calls from people that want to talk about the Steelers is... I feel like I was thinking about this episode and just the general consensus, the general thought, the general narrative surrounding the Steelers from not really the local media, but the national media. I'm talking about your ESPNs, your Fox Sports, your um, anywhere else, CBS Sports, the, wherever. It doesn't matter. Any any national media brand, I was, I was thinking about how they are just not giving the Steelers a chance at all. At all. And that's why the headline is, the Steelers are underdogs just like they like it. I don't know if you're like me, but when I think of the Steelers and I think of them approaching a game, and if it's a big game, I almost would rather have the Steelers be underdogs than to be favored. I just feel like, and maybe this is coming from me as an athlete, my time as a coach, I don't know. I could be off base here, and you all have to let me know if you agree or disagree. But when I was a player, when no one gave us a chance is when I was able to play kind of free. I felt like I was playing with house money. didn't matter what sport. It's just the fact that when no one is counting on you to make the big play, when no one thinks you're going to get the job done, when no one thinks that you're capable of winning a game, is when you can, what we used to call it, shock the world. And so I feel like that's what the Steelers have ahead of them in 2021. Let's run through the schedule real quick. 17 games. I'm not going to spend a long time, but think about the games that the Steelers are going to be considered underdogs. They're going to be considered underdogs. Week one, definitely underdogs at Buffalo. No doubt about it in week one. They're going to be considered underdogs. They're on the road. The Buffalo Bills have beaten the Steelers the last two seasons. Two years ago was at Heinz Field. Last year was up in Buffalo. Both of those were primetime games. There's no way the Steelers are favored. They're going to be underdogs in that role. So right off the bat, underdogs and I think the next two weeks they're going to be favored they host the Raiders and then the Bengals I don't think the Raiders game the spread's going to be as great as some people might think I think the Raiders are going to be a little bit better than a lot of people are giving them credit for right now the Bengals are the Bengals until they actually make some moves and, and really do some good things and Joe Burrow stays healthy I think they'll be underdogs but then you go 
to Lambeau Field. I would imagine the Green Bay Packers are going to be favored. The Steelers are on the road. Again, underdogs. They might be favored against the, the Denver Broncos, but not by much. Then they host the Seattle Seahawks in Week 6. Wouldn't be shocked. I would not be shocked, depending on how those first few games go, if the Steelers are actually considered underdogs against Seattle, even at home. After the bye week, they go to Cleveland. They're going to be underdogs there. You may laugh at me. You may say, Jeff, there's no way they're underdogs against the Brownies. Yeah, the the, the Vegas, the, the I can't say Vegas anymore. There's sports books are all over the nation. It's been basically legalized now. Sports books have said that they, they are big, big time on the Cleveland Browns. They want the Cleveland Browns to be favored, and they're going to be favored there. The Bears and the Lions come to Pittsburgh in two straight weeks. I think they'll be favored. I would not be shocked if the Steelers in Week 11 going to L.A. to play the Chargers if they are underdogs in that matchup, especially if Justin Herbert and the boys can get it together. Then you go on a stretch of some tough games. The Steelers are going playing the Bengals again. They'll probably be favored, even though it won't be my much on the road. I think at both times they play the Ravens. The Ravens will be the favorite team. Uh, when you play the Vikings, the Steelers could be favored as well. Tennessee, I think they'll be underdogs. Kansas City, I think they'll be underdogs. I even think the second time they play the Cleveland Browns, they'll be underdogs. Even if it's at home. Unless the Browns completely fall apart, I think they will be underdogs when they play the Browns at Heinz Field. And like I said, I already think that the Baltimore Ravens, both times they play the Steelers. I'm not saying that I think they're going to lose these games, by the way. I just think they're going to be underdogs. And so you go back, I, I feel like at least half of the season, the Steelers very well could be considered underdogs in the 2021 regular season. And hey, it's like I said in the headline, it's just the way they like it. This schedule, this season, in a lot of ways, reminds me of the last time they had the most difficult schedule in the NFL was in 2008-2009. That was the year that they won Super Bowl 43, And that was when James Ferrier, Potsy, and he would hear from Mike Tomlin all the time, but he would say it all the time. It's a five-star matchup. Why? Because we're in it. That's what they're going to be facing this season. It's a tough road ahead of them. But the Steelers being underdogs, I think, puts them in a perfect, perfect position to surprise the heck out of some teams. And when you go into the nitty-gritty and you go into the details and the minutia and you think about things like, oh my gosh, it's Matt Canada's first year calling plays. So in that regard, you're looking at the fact that, wow, this could be something very, very special. If they can come out and really shock some people, and that's going to be exciting to see if the Steelers are going to be able to do that. So that's kind of what I wanted to open the show. was talking about how the Steelers are going to be underdogs, big-time underdogs. I still do believe that in 2021. I don't think that they're going to be bad. I've gone on record by saying I think the Steelers will win double-digit games this season. I, I think 10-11 is, is not only respectable, I think it's going to be a playoff team, and I do think that the Steelers are going to be a much better team than people think. All right, if you're watching or listening, gosh, I always say watching. You guys aren't watching me, you're just listening. If you're listening live on Locker Room and you want to talk, Put in a speaker request. I'm glad to have you on. Let's get our first guest on, Eli. Let's get him on here. What's up, Eli? How are you? Good. How are you, Jeff? I can't complain. What's on your mind? Um. Okay. So out of all the games that you said they were underdogs, so let's say the Seahawks, the Packers, the Bills, Bills Kansas City, Cleveland, and Baltimore, let's say those teams. Okay. What are those teams – do you think they have the best chance to come back and win at, and say the Packers still have Aaron Rodgers? Which okay. game 
would you be the favorite in? Well, I think the let's throw out the division games because I think division is is kind of a toss up for the Steelers. They play their division extremely tough. The division is also extremely tough. I did say that the Steelers would be underdogs against Tennessee. I like them at home in that matchup in Week 15. Um, if I'm looking on the road, I think that the Steelers could be underdogs on Sunday Night Football in LA against the Chargers. I like them in that matchup. If we're talking about the tough games, though, we're talking about going to Arrowhead. That's that's just a tough place to play. Um, Green Bay, even with Aaron Rodgers, I think that would be a, a good test for this Pittsburgh Steelers team. I don't think Green Bay is as great as everyone thinks they are. They have a good offense, but I think their defense is still a little bit lagging. And then Seattle at home. Uh, anytime the Steelers are home underdogs, which is not normal, by the way, I like their odds. I like their chances. So um, that's kind of like the, the real quick answer to a question. What else is on your mind? Anything? Uh, yes, I have one more question. Sure, go for it. Out of all the games you watched last season, which game was your favorite to watch out of all of them? <clears throat> okay, this is a good question. This is a good question. Eli, thanks for chiming in. I appreciate it. Um, good call. For me, my favorite game was the Indianapolis Colts game. Um, for a lot of reasons. So that was a game that was on television. Uh, for me, because I get Sunday tickets, I get to watch all the games, even though I'm out of the market area. Dave Schofield did not get the game, so he had to come. He came to my house to listen to, to watch the game. So I always love having other people um, come over and watch the game. But not only that, my father was in town for that game. And it's, it, I've talked a lot about, if you listen to my Let's Ride podcast every Monday, Wednesday, Friday, you know I, I talk a lot about my dad and my brother. And we grew up watching the Steelers every Sunday together. And my brother lives in Richmond, and my dad still lives in Wheeling, where I'm from. And so we don't get to lot, watch a lot of football games together. So anytime we do, even if it's just one or the other, um, I treasure that time. And so not only was it that, you know, Dave was over, my dad was there, but also the fact that the Steelers came roaring back and won the game, it clinched the division. It gave fans just a glimmer of hope because things were going sideways real quick. And we know how it finished, but that was by far my favorite game of 2020 and um there were some others i mean the, the I, I love the first ravens game in m&t bank stadium going in and winning um even though it came down to the wire when it might be shouldn't have the the pass breakup with Minka fitzpatrick uh which the ravens fans by the way are still crying about by the way still crying about that they still think it was pass interference they don't understand the rules but you can't expect them to understand the rules all right eli thank you for that I appreciate it. If anyone else wants to speak on Locker Room, send in a speaker request. I'd be glad to have you on to talk about the Pittsburgh Steelers. In the meantime, as we always do on this Tuesday episode, we're going to dive into the Twitter mailbag, my Ride or Die crew on Twitter. You can follow me on Twitter at jhartman, H-A-R-T-M-A-N underscore P-I-T. All right. Amendez says, Ben, singing lots of praises for Dwayne Haskins. Do you think Haskins takes the number two spot from Rudolph this summer? That's a really good question, and I saw the quote that Roethlisberger gave. Um, this is Tuesday. This is the first day of the second week of Phase 3 of OTAs. Boy, that's a lot. That's a mouthful. It, the Steelers are in the second phase of it, third phase of OTAs, which means they can do football-like things. They can obviously 7-on-7, seven 9-on-9, 11-on-11. Seven, nine nine, 11 11. There's no contact. We all know that. That's, not, that's a no-brainer. Uh, no contacts, no hitting, no pads. They can wear helmets, and they can wear just uh, shorts and their jerseys. And he said that Dwayne Haskins, he just loves his throwing motion. He loves him as a player. 
he thinks that he, I think the quote was, and I hope I get this right. I believe that he said, this is Ben Roethlisberger, mind you, that Dwayne Haskins could throw a football through a car wash and it wouldn't get wet. That's exactly what the, uh, that's exactly what he said about Dwayne Haskins. So, um, take that for what it's worth. I mean, literally take it for what it's worth. I'm not going to put too much stock into that, but I think that, you know, the fact that Roethlisberger is talking about Haskins, um, it can't be a bad thing. I mean, he's, he's a player that a lot of people, myself included, have said for at least a couple months now that he's the wild card, that Dwayne Haskins is the wild card. The Steelers didn't draft a quarterback and let's play the what if game. What if, Dwayne Haskins actually pans out in the National Football League. What if the Pittsburgh Steelers got lucky, so lucky, that no one wanted this guy? Remember, everyone forgets Dwayne Haskins visited the Carolina Panthers after being released from Washington. And guess what happened? They didn't want him. He ends up with Pittsburgh. What if that's their next quarterback in Matt Canada's offense? I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm not even saying that I hope it happens. But what if? That's an incredible – if you think about it, that's just incredible. All right, so Brian uh, – I, I don't want to say the last name. Lalek? Lalek? He, he puts in the discussion chat on um, – this is the locker room app. He says, Steelers fans have been waiting 15 years to reclaim the underdog title. And, uh, yeah, it's it's been a while since – I feel like you got to go back to the early Cower era. They were really able to say, like, we're the underdogs. And then he also says, is that because Haskins completely missed the car wash part? of the building and broken two windows. I'm not so I'm not bashing on Dwayne Haskins here because I think Dwayne Haskins has a lot of potential. Uh living in Maryland, I did get to watch well, I don't know if it's like something you would tout that you get to watch the Washington football team or the former Redskins, but they're on TV every week here and I watched a lot of Dwayne Haskins early on. I feel like he's a system quarterback. If you put him in a good system, he's going to succeed. He does not do the Ben Roethlisberger things where he's ad-libbing and moving around. He's mobile enough, big-time arm. That's never been a question. But this guy was a first-round pick for a reason. And I know everyone brings up things like Ryan Leaf and all these other first-round picks. But still, Dwayne Haskins. And it's going to be fun to watch. He was definitely one of the seven reasons why I said Steeler fans should be excited for the preseason. It's because we're going to finally get to see what Dwayne Haskins can bring to the table, and just Ben Roethlisberger bringing his name up, just bringing his name up, all of a sudden has a lot of chatter going on surrounding him. People forget that Joshua Dobbs is even on the roster, that Mason Rudolph got the extension, that he'll be with the Steelers next year. So it should be pretty interesting to see how that all plays out. But like I said, Dwayne Haskins is the wild card. He is the wild card. If you're listening live on Locker Room and you want to chat, put in a speaker request, I'd be I'd love to have you on. And uh, it's about the halfway point of the show. We're going to take a quick break. If you're listening live on Locker Room, don't go anywhere because I'm not going anywhere. If you are on the audio side, we'll be right back after this break. All right, Pittsburgh Steelers fans, welcome back to the second segment of this live Let's Ride podcast on the Locker Room app, which is not just for iOS users anymore. The beta version of the app is now able to be found with Android users. 
So I know there's a lot of people that have been itching to talk with me that are Android users. Hopefully, they saw my tweets out there about the change and the locker room app is now available for Android users. And, and they've been wanting to talk with me, and this is your chance. If you're listening live on Locker Room, please go ahead and put in a speaker request. We'd love to have you on. Here's someone that's always been itching to talk. He's been very vocal about his disdain for the locker room app, Brian Haynes. He's always someone that's chiming in. What's up, Brian? You there? You're muted. I'm now I'm unmuted. Right there, there he is. is. There he there is. There he is. <laughs> Finally, locker room. Listen to the ride or die crew. We got it for Android as well. Um, yeah, man. But, so, with everything that's going on, all these trade rumors, Leighton Vander Esch, Julio, everybody's co- supposed to be on the on the block. Who do you think is the most likely, not necessarily going to happen, but the most likely to be a, a candidate to be traded for by Pittsburgh? So are you saying who would they trade for? Like who would the Steelers give up or who would they get? Or who both? would they get? Okay, who would they get? Uh, I honestly had never even thought about Van Der Esch. I knew that was someone that a lot of people mocked a few years ago to Pittsburgh in the first round. Dallas took him early, um, but I was listening to the live mic Tuesday morning, and that's Michael Beck, our deputy editor, and he brought up a name that I had not even thought about. I don't follow the Patriots and what they do, but he brought up Chase, Chase Winovich, and he's a Pittsburgh kid. He plays a position of need. He would be rather cheap, and the Patriots went out and got a lot of help at their outside linebacker position, and so when I heard all that, I'm thinking, man, Michael might have just convinced me that this could be a potential trade. Now, who are they going to? What are the Steelers going to give up? That's the question. You know, could they send James Washington to New England? They could, but is that going to be a one-on-one trade? No, you're going to have to sweeten the pot a little bit. So you'd have to say, what else are you going to give? Would it be a a, a third-round pick? I don't even know when Winovich was drafted. What round? But still, that was a name that intrigued me, Brian. What about you? You have any names off the top of your head for trade on the trade market? Whoa. I'm, again, just like you, uh, after after live Mike Winovich, I, I like that that potential that he has. I mean, I, I don't think that he quite lived up. To, I think he was a second round pick. He might have been a third round pick, but I, I don't think that he lived up to what New England thought he was going to be. But I, I do think, like you said, he would be cheap. So you get him and say a. Uh, uh, seventh for James Washington and uh, compensatory fourth because we traded our, our fourth to get back into uh, or to get into the fifth this year. Yeah. I, I don't think that that would be bad. But an, another one that I, I, I would really like, I, I wouldn't mind seeing someone uh, uh, the um, – Oh my God! I cannot think of his name. The the um, uh, I can't even think of it. He's an O lineman, um, but I think that just uh, another veteran who's got a couple of years, like you said, someone that's, that's going to be cheap. We're not going. We're not going out for uh, for anybody who's like just drafted two years ago. That that's not going to happen. Not on the O line, but yeah. I, I like the uh, the potential of who's out there. 
but Winovich, I would, I definitely would, would enjoy that one. Absolutely. All right. Hey, Brian, thanks for chiming in. If you want to speak again, just put another speaker request. Glad to have you on. Um, let's see if we can get our next speaker on here. Wes Hickok. He's a longtime listener. What's up, Wes? You're on. What's up? Can you hear me? Yeah, Wes. What's up? Can you hear me? Yeah, sorry about that. Uh, okay. So, hey, uh, I hope I'm uh, sound there, but I wanted to kind of feed off of your uh, tonight's, tonight's title. But before sure. I do that, I wanted to talk about Dwayne Haskins. That's when I kind of joined the room. I, I was late. Um, first of all, I agree with everything you said about Dwayne Haskins. And I say that saying that, like, if you've paid any attention to anything I've said in the chat rooms during your guys' shows, you know that I'm not Dwayne Haskins' biggest fan. Um, I don't think that he's a very good quarterback. Having said that, I think that, like, maybe – Ben is doing a little wax poetic, so to speak, with Dwayne Haskins. But I think that, and I, I don't think anybody would ever accuse Ben of being a true leader. But I think right now, Ben is kind of wax poetic in guys that 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 need that confidence boost. Trying to like, I think he's coming to terms with the fact that his his future with Pittsburgh is very limited. Um, and, and so, I mean, if Dwayne Haskins, like I'm, I was wrong about Bud Dupree. He turned into a monster, you know, for years. I'm like, man, we need to get rid of this bum. And then for two seasons, this dude's like out of this world. Good. Um, I have no problem admitting that I was wrong about a player. So I really hope I have to eat crow on Dwayne Haskins. It would, like you said, it'd be the perfect situation to get a guy for literally nothing and and then him turn into a franchise quarterback, I, I you know, and I do think I think it's I think what a lot of people are saying about him within the organization is them really trying to boost this kid's confidence, make him re believe in himself. And my biggest issue with him, honestly, isn't even about his skill. It's about he needs to get rid of the off field distractions and focus on his actual craft. He, he, it's not like he came out of college untalented, you know? So he, he really needs to put his mind where it needs to be to be a good quarterback if he has the ability to be. Um, you know, and that's my thoughts on Dwayne Haskins. What else you got? So the underdog thing. God love Bud Dupree. You know, he was a monster. God love Mike Hilton. Alejandro Villanueva, Villanueva uh, oh my goodness, Villa Nueva. Big out, big out. <laughs> yeah, big out, big out. You know, they were all really good parts of our team, but there is a part of me that just can't shake this feeling that as a result of all of the people we lost, we're actually going to be a better team. Because when you look at Matt Filer, who was who should never have been kept at left guard. Alejandro Villanueva, who really struggled in the running game last year, and I mean, let's be honest, as a team, we struggled in the running game. But but when it came to run blocking, he really just he wasn't he wasn't the guy last year. Pass blocking, he's great, but when it came to run blocking, he just wasn't that guy. As much as I like Hilton, we saw him get tangled up with his feet several times last year and get absolutely toasted. You know, 
And Bud Dupree, I mean, I can't say anything negative about him, but we all knew we were going to lose him. There was no way that we were going to keep him and then be able to turn around probably either this season, this season before the season, or very early next offseason and sign TJ Watt. There was no way both of those guys were going to remain on the same roster. So that's the only guy I can really look at and say, well, well, this is a genuine loss. But I think, I really think that all those other guys that now have to step up in place, I mean, even Zach Banner, I don't know how his pass pro is, but he's a monster at run blocking. And uh, at least from what we've seen, I do think that a lot of teams are going to look at Alex Smith and be like, eh, we don't really have to worry about their pass rush. He's he's young. He's, he's not that good. People are going to look at our offensive line and say, oh, they got so many new guys over there. Eh, we don't have to worry about that. And then, of course, Najee Harris. The Ravens are probably the biggest ones. They're going to be like, oh, we've handled their rookies before. And it's an opportunity, in my mind, for all of these guys to take advantage of that and turn it into a big negative for their opposition because everybody's looking at our schedule and saying, oh, this is the toughest schedule in the league. There's no way they're going to win these games. But they're also looking at us like, eh, they're not a very good team. And I actually think, like I said, I think with all these losses we've had, we're going to be a better team for it. We're going to actually, we're going to have guys that are ready to step up and we're actually, we're going to take that, that underdog title in hand and just absolutely run away with it. Yeah, Wes, I mean, I, I definitely agree with you, and thanks for chiming in. I appreciate yep, a good call. Absolutely. I mean, I think that, you know, when you think about the Steelers, and you brought up the, the fact that they could be better at certain positions, to me it comes down to coaching. It's going to come down to the offensive coaching staff putting together a plan that's going to maximize the players that they have on the offensive line, whether you're talking about Banner or Chooks on the left, doesn't matter. Dotson at left guard, if Kevin Kendra Green is the center. On the defensive side, you lose Mike Hilton. That's a loss. You lose Bud, Bud Dupree, that's a loss. Can the coaches find a way to put their players in position to succeed, and then can they take advantage? I agree with you. I think they can. All right, we have a couple people waiting. Let's get Jeremy on. What's up, Jeremy? How's it going? Hey, Jeff. Can you hear me all right? Yes, sir. Go ahead. What's on your mind? Good. Uh, well, I just wanted to comment on the Steelers' schedule, and I know it's kind of old news, obviously, having come out a while back. But um, I'm excited for this schedule because we're going to – I think by the end of the season, you're going to know who this Pittsburgh Steelers team is. And I think halfway through last season, we were kind of thinking, well, do we really know if this team is uh, an 8-0, 9-0, 10-0, 11-0 team? You know, are, are we sure about that? Um, but this year, uh, if we post a good record, I think you've got to, at the end of the season, I think you've got to look at the Pittsburgh Steelers as being a Super Bowl contender just because, they play basically everybody in the well, everybody in the AFC, I would say, and basically every um, uh, some of the top contenders in the NFC as well uh, that are Super Bowl contenders. I think you, you're going to see a Pittsburgh Steelers team that um, has an identity by the end of this year, and be that good or be that bad, at least we'll know, right? Do you feel the same way? Yeah, l- let's do this little exercise uh, real quick. Let's see if by the bye week we might know if the Steelers are legit or not. So you have at Buffalo, you home against the Raiders, home against the Bengals, at Green Bay, home versus the Broncos, and home versus Seattle. So that is six weeks, six games. If they are four and two at that Mm -hmm. point, what does that tell you? Uh, 
Well, I think it's who who are we four and two against? Okay, um, let's say they lose to Buffalo in week one and they lose to Green Bay in week four. Okay. Um but, so they uh, beat the Raiders, they beat the Bengals, they beat the Broncos, and they beat the Seahawks. I think you still gotta wait because you you haven't played any division games yet except for the Cincinnati, Bengals who, yeah. Yeah, except for Cincinnati. Uh but what I mean by that I guess is the top two teams that they're yeah. saying are going to be at the top. I think um I don't know. It's going to be tough because it, the gauntlet's at the end of the season. You know, exactly. you know what I mean. There, I yeah. think I think you get an idea of the consistency of the team as far as offensively. Are they able to go up and down the field more regularly? Defensively, are they making stops uh, against some lower or maybe equal competition in some of these? But when you get to the end of the season, I think I think you're going to know weeks thirteen through eighteen if they're Three and three, four and three, um, you know, or sorry, three and three, four and two, five and one, something like that. In the end of the season, you've got to feel really good about this team going into the playoffs. And see, I, I agree with you. The gauntlet is at the end, like you said, but the first part of the season is imperative to me. They yes. they cannot be, in my opinion, worse than four and two going into the bye. If they are, they're in trouble because you look at after the bye. At Cleveland. Yeah, you have the Bears and the Lions coming to town. Most would say that they're going to be favored. Then you go mm-hmm. to play Justin Herbert and the Chargers. And then mm-hmm. we all know the the finishing stretch with the Ravens, the Vikings, the Titans, the Chiefs, the Bear, the Browns, and the Ravens. So we're going to know a lot about this team at that stretch, Jeremy. But I think the first part of the season they have to take advantage. You know what I mean? Yes, I, I definitely agree. I think um, just kind of all along those lines, um, one team to – to watch for um, in the latter part of the season as far as a team that could be not quite as good as we thought they might be is Tennessee. They lost a lot yeah. of pieces this year. Um, they lost their head or their offensive coordinator and Mike Vrabel is not an offensive guy. So it's going to take some people stepping up on that side. So I don't know, maybe, maybe that part of the schedule eases up a bit. Maybe the Vikings aren't as good, you know, of all those teams, though, gosh, I'm hoping the Cleveland Browns aren't all they're hyped up to be, uh, you know. <laughs> but um, you know, I, I don't, I don't know if you know. We look at the schedule right now, and it's um, by 2020 record the toughest. Um, but I think outside of the contenders, we've got some some teams that we should be able to handle, and we got to take care of business, like you said, against those yeah. teams. Well, and. and- yeah, I agree, Jeremy, and thanks for putting in those speaker requests. I appreciate it. And it just goes to show people, I always point back to Dallas last year. When everyone was at this stage of the game last year, everyone was talking about, oh, my gosh, you know, Dak Prescott, that's going to be a shootout. And then we all know he gets hurt. And then all of a sudden the whole con- – that, that changed everything. The Dallas game changed dramatically. And it, it was a situation that that can happen again. Or what if Aaron Rodgers is not the quarterback of the Packers? What if he were actually the quarterback of the Broncos who goes to Pittsburgh the week after? I mean, they wouldn't be avoiding him, but still, I mean, that'd be kind of funny. But still, that, that changes the trip to Lambeau in week four it, tremendously. It completely flips the script, in my opinion. We have another speaker request here from Logan. Let's get Logan on. What's up, Logan? How's it going? What's up? Doing good. How are you doing? Well, I'm great. What's on your mind? Um, I wanted to ask you, um, what particular offense or defensive position group do you think on the Steelers team is underrated or an underdog going into the season? So you said what offensive or defensive position group is underrated? Yes. 
Okay, so we'll do one on each side. Offensively, I think that underrated is going to be the offensive line. I think that they're going to be better than people think. The big question mark for me is the center position. Uh, I'm not... Gosh, I, I go back and forth. I flip-flop like a politician when it comes to should Kendrick Green start or shouldn't he start on? Yeah, the easiest is to say, oh, well, it's pretty simple. I mean, if he, if he earns it, I get that. But thrusting a rookie into the lineup is maybe not always the best thing to do. So for me, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say that on the offensive side of the ball, I think the offensive line is going to be a lot better than people think. And that's going to lead to success in other areas, especially when it comes to balance and a balanced offensive attack. It's going to lead to success with the running game and Najee Harris or Anthony McFarland or maybe even Benny Snell Jr. is a possibility. On the defensive side, underrated. It's tough because there's not a lot of areas you could go. I'm going to agree with my boy Brad in the, in the discussion tab. And he said cornerback. Uh, Cam Sutton earned that contract. And I, th- I don't think that to be st- – we can – we can stress that until the cows come home. They paid him instead of Mike Hilton. They gave him the contract, and I don't think it's because they felt that they couldn't afford Mike Hilton. Everyone thinks that. I disagree. I think that they knew they liked Sam, Cam Sutton. They knew they weren't going to have Steven Nelson. They love his versatility, and if he can pan out and really earn that contract, it's going to completely change the whole spectrum of that secondary, especially at the cornerback position. But, Logan, what about you? What are your offensive and defensive position groups that are underrated in 2021? Um, I completely agree with you with the offensive line. I think the national media doesn't know what they're talking about when they're saying they needed the draft offense line, especially in the first round. Because you have, uh, what would that be, three returning starters? Kevin Dotson, David DeCastro. If you, if you consider Dotson a starter last year, I mean, he did start some games. So he's got experience. DeCastro's there, and then... Um, Chooks Okorafor played almost the entire season. So, yeah, three. Yeah, I think that offensive line is a lot better than – I would say they're easily an above-average offensive line, and the national media is talking like they're a top-five worst offensive line in the league. So I completely yeah. agree with you on that topic. And defense, I haven't really thought about that, but I agree with you with corner. They have a lot of depth. I don't know if it's a good depth, but their first three corners are pretty solid, and I have completely confidence – at least in the past two seasons, with their um, decisions and plays with the corners. They've been playing a lot better than they have in, let's say, the past 10 years. So I think the future is bright at the corner position. I agree, Logan. Thanks for uh, chiming in. I appreciate it, as always. Have a good one. All right, let's get back to the Twitter mailbag. If you're on Locker Room and you want to talk, we have some time. I'd be glad to talk to you. I have a couple questions still here from my Ride or Die crew on the Twitter mailbag. David says, if Rudolph, talking about Mason Rudolph and Dwayne Haskins, have a great training camp slash preseason, who would you be more comfortable being sent away via trade, a la Josh Dobbs a couple years ago to the Jaguars? He uses hashtag Ride or Die crew. Thank you, David, for the question. I think with this situation, Dwayne Haskins, again, is the wild card. He's the player that no one knows much about. Everyone that in the NFL, no one wanted him. I said that earlier in the show. Carolina passed up on him, and he didn't get any other visits from any other team until he signed with Pittsburgh. And so I feel like there's going to be more of a market if you're looking to trade a player for Rudolph than you would get for Haskins. However, I don't think there's any way that they trade Mason Rudolph. They gave him that extension. He'll be back next year. They did it as an insurance policy. I don't think there's any way that either one of those players are on the trading block if anything, if Haskins plays well, he'd probably be the third quarterback on the depth chart, barring injury, and Joshua Dobbs would probably be out. Again, we'll find this out during the preseason. 
All right, the last question on my Twitter mailbag, Kevin. And we had a bunch that we answered, by the way. So, like, I know Zibs talked about uh, the Leighton Vander Esch trade um, and potential trade, I should say. Uh, we kind of talked about that. Brian actually joined the show and talked about his question. So uh, we had a lot more response. So I just didn't want to be. I what didn't want to reiterate everything. So Kevin asked, "Can we get a quality starter at cornerback with the cap money we have left?" So this is from Dave Schofield, who is he knows he's forgotten more about the salary cap than I've ever known, and he has the Steelers after Kendrick Green signs his rookie deal, which I'm sure is going to happen if not this week next. He's the last rookie to sign his deal. Once he signs his deal, that the Steelers will be a, give or take between seven and eight million dollars in cap space. And that sounds like a lot of money. The problem is, is that they have to carry a good majority of that into the season to help pay for injuries and things of that nature. And then if they don't, well, it gets rolled over into next year's cap. So the Steelers don't want to, you know, they don't, they can't actually just say, we're just going to, we're going to just blow it all. We're, gonna, we're, we're going all in, chips in, you know, like in Vegas. They would have to create space somehow, some way. Whether that's restructuring players like Stefan Tuitt, Chris Boswell, I don't think that's going to happen. Whether it's extending David DeCastro or Joe Hayden, don't think that's going to happen either. I don't think that the Steelers are going to make a move. If they make a move, I've said this for weeks and I'm sticking to my guns. If they make a move, it is going to be they're going to get someone off the scrap heap. And what I mean by that, think Ross Cockrell, a player that gets cut from a team at the when they do the cutdowns, they see it as a, as an upgrade at a position. And they're going to pick that player up. That's exactly what I'm talking about in terms of they could make a move. And let's also not forget, though, people, that they did go out and sign a cornerback. It just wasn't a big-name player. They signed Arthur Millette, who played both cornerback and safety for the New York Jets. Jeffrey Benedict did a tremendous film room breakdown on Arthur Millette and what he brings to the defense. It's not perfect, okay? It's a, it was a great article. And it's a great read, and it's a good visual representation because he uses a lot of gifts and things like that of what the Steelers have with Arthur Millette. So I highly recommend you check that out on BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. Scroll down the page. You'll find a tab that says Steelers Film Room. Click on it. It'll take you to all of our Film Room articles. But still, with, with Millette, he is capable of playing the slot like Mike Hilton did. He's also capable of playing outside, and he's also capable of flexing back to safety. Very versatile player. That should not be understated, in my opinion. Should not be understated at all. All right. This was a great turnout on Locker Room. I feel like now that the Android users are able to join the show, it was, it was great. It had some great callers, great questions, great conversation. I appreciate all of you. Thank you very much for joining me live. My Ride or Die crew is the absolute best. Remember, if you want to be a member of the Ride or Die crew, it's simple. Follow me on Twitter, at Jay Hartman, H-A-R-T-M-A-N underscore P-I-T. And listen to my show and, and communicate with everybody. It's a great little community. Join me on Locker Room every Tuesday night. Uh, make sure you check out my podcast every Monday, Wednesday, Friday morning. It airs at 5 a.m. Eastern time. You can catch it wherever you get your podcast. But then subscribe or follow to whatever podcast platform you listen to so that you never miss a thing on all of our audio. And this upcoming season, by the way, probably about training camp, we're going to be unveiling some new shows on our platform. We're really excited about it. You'll hear more about that coming up. Hey, it's been great. It's been fun. I'll see you all on Friday as we always finish it out. Be safe, be kind, and God bless. Have a great day. We'll see you on Friday. Good to see you.